0: Uh, Well, um, Rock Valley Bible Church, I'm not sure you all all know this, but we all began as a a small group uh, from a church in DeKalb, Illinois, about 40 minutes from here, called Kishwaukee Bible Church. And uh, we met for the first time July 2nd, 1998. So You start doing some calculations, and that's like 24 years ago. It was a Thursday evening, and we met in the basement of a home in Rockford. Sunday mornings, we'd be in DeKalb for Kishwaukee Bible Church. Thursday evenings, though, just like our small groups. We have several small groups tonight. Just here's a, a plug for you to go attend a small group. That'd be great. Um, small group was we just had a Thursday night small group uh, on Thursday evenings. And, and what we did when we started up here in Rockford is we were laying the foundation for a church. And then exactly two years later, on Sunday evening, July 2nd, 2000, we rented out a, a church building in the Rockford area, and we began to met, meet publicly in, in a building. We met Sunday evenings, um, so Sunday mornings we'd be at our sending church in, in DeKalb, but Sunday evenings we'd gather here in Rockford. And as the numbers grew, I quit my job as an IT professional and moved here to Rockford, and we continued on Sunday evenings until eventually we reached an agreement with Rockford Christian High School to rent their building on Sunday mornings. And our very first Sunday morning was March 3rd, 2002. So if you do some calculation, that's a little bit more than 20 years ago was our first Sunday morning public meeting. And and I have some pictures from that occasion. And uh, here is is a picture of our, our setup right there in uh, in the cafeteria there. Um, we set up far more chairs than we needed that day. That's That's for sure. Um, And then after our service, uh, some pictures are taken. Okay, so here's my quiz for today. Can you recognize some people here? Okay, Juanita Milton is in there. And who else is in there? Yes, Thatcher. Mr. Weeby is not in there. Who? Tim and Wendy. There they were. And was Wendy pregnant that time too? I hope so. <laughs> I had another picture. Maybe that was from a later date where she was uh, pregnant. But there's, there's um, Juanita there, Tim and Wendy. i got another picture for you. Okay, do you know, recognize anyone there? Rich Garden. Yeah, was there long and long ago. Okay, so here was our music team. <laughs> I know Yvonne is saying, get rid of that picture. That was our music team. I called it the Stephen Avon Show. <laughs> and, uh, it was um, that wasn't from that day, but that was the worship team that was there. And in March third, two thousand, um, I preached a message from uh, actually two thousand two, March third, two thousand two. Right, I, I preached a message from Acts chapter twenty. Paul was giving his parting advice to the Ephesian elders at Ephesus. The same text I have here this morning. And it was my opportunity, we, we'd been sent the Sunday before, and uh, in DeKalb we were there, <clears throat> and that was like in February, whatever that is, <clears throat> and then we were commissioned, if you will, to go up into Rockford, and then to meet Rockford, never to go back to DeKalb on Sunday mornings again, though we had often things, we were tied with that church for years and years what we did, but I, I remember the, the, the pastor who was sending us out, basically his message was, be careful out there. There's danger out there. Be careful out there. And Acts 20 was really my response to that that says, we will. We will be careful. And Acts 20 was really just basically we, my pledge of, of everything that I wanted to be as a pastor of a church in Rockford. So this is, yeah, I just quit my job just a few months before. I was young in the ministry. And I, I just wanted to put forth in Acts 20 what I wanted to be as a pastor and so again, with the advantages of Modern Technology, not only do we have pictures, but we also have a recording of the sermon that I preached. And so what I want you to do is kind of picture this guy, and I'm just going to take this down, picture this guy preaching these words. All right, here we go.
1: Why don't you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20? Perhaps some of you saw it on the notes there and are there already. If not, turn to Acts chapter 20. I feel like a, a special occasion like this demands a, a special message. And of any passage in the scripture, I feel like this is one appropriate for us this morning. It, it deals with Paul bidding farewell to the elders at the church of Ephesus. Bidding them on never to see them again, as verse 25 says. Giving them advice that they need to shepherd the church of God without him. And I think if we, in some sense, depart from Kishwaukee Bible Church today, It's appropriate for us to look at the Apostles' admonitions. I mean, if Paul would tell us anything, he would come and visit Rockford off to his way to China to his death. He was persecuted there. What would he tell us? And I think he would tell us what he told the Ephesian elders here in Acts chapter 20. Much of this message, I feel, is going to be personal and from the heart. It's going to be my heart to your heart. And I want to use Paul's words as a springboard so for my desires for you at Rock Valley Battle Church, my desires for myself and my perspective of shepherding the church of God.
0: So you can the recording there wasn't quite so good, maybe, but uh, that was that was me twenty years ago coming to this passage to speak about it. And um, now twenty years later. More than 900 Sunday morning sermons later that I have preached, we come back again to this text. And in some ways, for me, it's an opportunity to see how well I lived up to my own hopes and dreams of all that I'd be as a, as a pastor of Rock Valley Bible Church. It's sort of, if you will, a midterm exam. Um, so I look towards the future, and the day I preach a final sermon at Rock Valley Bible Church, I would guess and hunch, just so I know about the Scriptures, that Acts 20 would probably be my last text. That's when I take my final exam when I, I commend myself to the elders of what it is that they should do and be at, at Rock Valley Bible Church. But today it's just a midterm. So if you haven't done so already, I invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter twenty. The title of my message this morning is Counsel for Shepherds. Because that's really what this, this text is. It's Paul giving his final counsel to to the elders of the Ephesian church. And this is a unique passage in the Bible. In fact, Alexander Strouk says of this text, he says, Paul's message recorded by Luke some 2,000 years ago is as relevant today as it was when it was first delivered. There's really nothing else in the New Testament comparable to this passage. It's the only place in the New Testament which Paul directly speaks to the church's elders, giving them their final marching orders. As Paul's parting message, it has special importance and requires our full attention. Any church elder who does not know the contents of Paul's message to the Ephesian elders, is ill-equipped to lead and protect God's people. So, Darren and Ryan, and Brian's not here today. But um, for all of you all, this is my challenge to you. To know this passage well. In any future elders that we might have here in this room, the challenge is to know this passage well. And those in the church, to understand church leadership and what it's about. And to give church leaders joy in their leadership. Alexander Strauss continued on with a challenge that I challenge you all with. He so says, I challenge you to make it your goal to master the content of Paul's prophetic apostolic message. Study it. Memorize it. Think deeply, deeply upon it. Discuss it. Teach it and live it. If you invest the time to prayerfully study and meditate on God's given challenge to all of Christ's under shepherds, you will find warnings and exhortations essential to the task, as well as fresh motivation and divine comfort. So this morning, as I, as I preach my message, think about my ministry. I'm also preaching to the elders here of Rock Valley Bible Church to think about your own ministry as well. So, Acts chapter 20. Now, when, we, when I preached this passage 20 years ago, we, we sort of just dove right into the passage. But we've been working through the book of Acts, and so we just have some preface here to put it into context Uh, So we've been working through the second, this third missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. Again, we we look at the map, and uh, we see that Paul was sent out from this great church in Antioch. And from there, he headed north and went across southern Galatia, and then he landed in Ephesus, where he spent three years there in the church in Ephesus. During the time, he was preaching and teaching and caring for the church. And from there, he went out on a fundraising trip. Not to collect money for himself, but to collect money for the, the church in, um, in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was poor, and they were struggling. And so Paul went through Macedonia and Achaia, raising money for them. And he began by going north to Troas, and then he crossed over the Aegean Sea and went through, passed through Macedonia, where there were churches like Philippi and a church like Berea. He was visiting churches, encouraging those who were there, collecting funds for those in Jerusalem. He also passed through Achaia, landing at Corinth for some time as well, where he wrote the book of Romans. And his desire was to sail to Jerusalem, to get there in time for the Passover. But a, a plot of the Jews uh, he got, known, got wind of was, was stirring there. And so he went by land north. He, he got to Philippi by the time of the Passover, where he celebrated the Feast of Unleavened Bread there. But having done that, then he arrived at Troas, that's last week we looked at where Eutychus fell out of the window and died and Paul revived him. Well, our text this morning begins in chapter 20 and verse 13. In the, the first four verses, we're going to find Paul just traveling down the coast there. Um, he, he's going he's to travel on land to Assos. And, and then from there, he's going to hit sort of these, these little islands. Um, he, he travels south down the shore. He hits the, the place of Mytilene, which is on the island of Lesbos. And then, then the ship embanks upon, opposite the, the island of Chios. And, and then he ports it, Samos, further on south. And finally then he lands at Miletus, where our text takes place today. In, in verses 13 through 15, right, here's the travel I just summarized for you. But, but going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there. For so he'd arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios, and the next day we touched at Samos, and the day after that, we went to Miletus. Now, there's nothing really remarkable, anything we know, biblical history of of what took place, and it's probably because it's pretty short. Um, Sir William Ramsay, in his famous commentary, he, he surmised and observed that it was probably just every day, just one stop was, was in uh, Assos, and one stop was in Middleene, and the next one opposite Chios, and the next one in Samos, and the next day in Miletus, taking whatever the four or five days it took to, to travel down there. And he says that because the wind dies down in the late afternoon in those places. So you can sail during the day, the wind dies down, and you port. And the next day, you get up early in the morning, and then you sail until the wind goes, and then it dies down, and then you port. And he landed eventually at Miletus, and Miletus is where our texts are going to take place. And at Miletus is where the context of of our text takes place, where Paul, verse 16, had decided to sail past Ephesus, so he might not have to spend some time in Asia for he's hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. And so if, if you look at the map there, you, you'll see that Miletus is very close to Ephesus. Miletus on the coast, Ephesus is a bit inland. It's about 30 miles as the, the crow flies. On the road, it's a little bit more windy, a little bit further, but it takes maybe about a day and a half to travel from Miletus to Ephesus. And it would have been easy for Paul to have disembarked the ship, walked a day and a half, gone to Ephesus, where he, he could visit the church he loved, where he'd been there for three years. And he could have ministered to them. Um, it would have been easy for him to be in Ephesus in a day or two. Listen, but Paul had an agenda. He, he wanted to get to Jerusalem before Pentecost. And if you remember the Jewish calendar, you have Passover, then 50 days later, you have Pentecost. And so he's got this 50-day time frame. And he figures if he gets to Jeru- to Ephesus, it's just going to suck his time because there are people there that he would want to see. And there are people there who would want to see Paul and, and there, there was too much to say to these people that he could just never get out of there in the week or two that he had to get out in order to get to Jerusalem. And so what he did is the next best thing. He basically called the leaders of the church. He called the elders of the church at Ephesus. He called them to come and be with him so he could be with them one more time. And this is what we read in verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, Verse 18 and following. And this is his great speech that he, he spoke to them. And, and, and as we see the elders assembled, what Paul does is he gives them counsel. Counsel to the elders, this church that that he loved. And, and so really, I, I want for you to picture the scene. Paul is, is on the beach there, perhaps. Maybe he's inland. Maybe he's 100 yards off the beach or whatever. He sent a messenger up to Ephesus and waited maybe a couple days for him to get there. And then the, the elders at Ephesus packed really quickly and said, Paul wants to see us. Oh, yeah, absolutely, we'll go. We're going to be on a couple day trips. So they packed and they walked down and they met Ephesus. And then Paul speaks to them. Probably a small group of people. Not, not nearly as big. I don't know how many elders they had. Two, four, ten, fifteen? I don't know. But certainly not much more than that. And this is what he said to them. He said, you yourselves know How I lived among you the whole time when I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and house to house And the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you His inheritance among those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know how these hands ministered to my needs and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And after he said these things, he, he knelt down and he prayed with them all, commending them to God and to the Word of His grace. And, and there was much weeping on behalf of all. And they embraced Paul and they, they kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he had said that they would not see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship and he took off and sailed. Now, we don't know if this is all that he said. Certainly there was more it just takes three minutes to read what it is that, that Paul said on, on that day. But it was a, a good summary of what he said. It was a tender scene of the, the elders having their, their opportunity to say their final goodbyes. As, as they deeply loved the Apostle Paul and, and Paul deeply loved these elders. You can just see there in the, the sobbing and the weeping that they would never see him again after having spent three close years together. This morning, what I want to do is just work my way through Paul's counsel, the shepherds, to the church of the church at Ephesus. And, and this morning, we're only going to get through half the passage because I want to just read it, explain it, understand it, even pull in some of my old sermons and see what, what, what I said then and just see how well I've done in some regards this midterm exam. So, the title of my message this morning is Counsel for Shepherds, Part One. And we will finish Part Two next week. And, and my first point is this. Paul's ministry. In fact, this is my same point from 20 years ago. If you would like to read my sermon in preparation for next week, you can read it. You can listen to it uh, online there as well. I think it's the oldest uh, audio that we have out there on the internet, but you can find it. But here's Paul's ministry. Before he go to exhort the elders of what it is that they should do in their ministry, Paul first tells them what he did and how he served them how he had this heart of service for them. And it's really really appropriate, right? Parents, you can learn a little lesson. Don't tell your kids to do what you're not doing. You do first, and then you show and model, and you then encourage your children to follow after you. And here we see Paul's heart of service in verse 18. He begins by saying, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Verse 18, Paul is speaking about his his pastoral ministry. He, He wasn't distant but he was right there with the people in Ephesus. And, and, and 20 years ago, this is, this is what I said about uh, this passage here.
1: Pastors of a church shouldn't be untouchable and unreachable and undistant. They should be with people. And that's what Paul said, I was with you. In verse 31, we know that for three years he was with them. And the sense here, of verse 18, is really he was with them, helping them, serving them, Teaching them. Listen, he wasn't in his ivory tower simply reading and enjoying his Puritans. He wasn't a fly-by-night evangelist who had a few meetings and then left town. He wasn't a conference speaker who had his topic, which he liked to talk about, come and talk here and then leave. No, he was a pastor who was with them all the time, as any pastor should be. And this is my desire, to be with you at Rock Valley Bible Church. I want to serve you and help you and teach you and guide you. And direct you in any way that I can.
0: That's what I said 20 years ago. And after 20 years, I guess you can be the judge. How well have I done? My midterm exam. Have I been with you? Have I been in your homes? Is there anyone's homes I've not been in? No, I've not been to your home. Mary I just met you, not been in your home. I've been in all your homes. Have you been in my home? Who's not been in my home yet? Well I know a couple of ladies over here. You've been in my home. We socialize together. Been at events. Have I gone to your child's games? Have I been with you and loved ones died? Have I called you when you lost your job or had a health scare? Or Had some kind of need? Have I been accessible? Have I returned your phone calls? Have I answered your texts? Responded to your emails? Have I written notes? Have I hugged you? Have I been with you? Have I loved you? Now, I'm sure that there's some of you who say, yeah, you've done a really good job of that. Some of you said, well, you used to do a good job of that. You're not doing a very good job of that now. And I'm sure there are others who think I've maybe failed in that process. Uh, I just know this is my heart at, at Rock Valley Bible Church. is to be with you. That's what it means to be a pastor. It's to be a, a shepherd of the sheep, right, with the sheep. This past week, it's interesting, I, I traveled with a few pastors in the Rockford area to an event in Madison for pastor theologians, is what Jeremy Scott at Memorial Baptist Church in Verona was was putting on, and there was a, a lunch together. And a um, guy gave a talk on uh, on the Gospel of John. It was very helpful. And afterwards, we had lunch and were sitting around the table with some other people involved in ministry, and just kind of went around and shared their stories. And when I mentioned I've been pastoring for the same church for twenty years, kind of their eyes opened, their jaws dropped a little bit, and they they just started asking some questions about what it's like to be at the same church for twenty years, because that's not the it's not the pattern of most pastors. It is a rare thing. And in my response, somewhat surprising to me, somewhat not, but I said, you know, I think the key was I've, I've never considered employment at Rock Valley Bible Church to be my job. Like, I, I've not considered that this is a job of what I do. I consider that we are a family and that I've been freed up to be able to love you all and serve you all. Um, so my phone calls, my visits, my texts, my emails, my contact with you is, is, is like a father to children. It is like a a family member coming, um, and, and when you when you call and visit your, your child, or when you FaceTime your child, away, its not of obligation; it's of love, and that's uh, the advantage I have of planting a church because I've not been called in from outside. And at that same meeting, a pastor, as soon as I made some kind of comment about that, one one of the pastors said he he had spent time ministering in Kosovo, <clears throat> and. Uh, he said, a pastor in Kosovo told him this. He says, I don't, and he said with some kind of Slavic accent, I'm not sure I can't do that, but I don't understand the American pastors. They go from job to job, church to church, ministering to people who will simply pay them for their services. American pastors are mercenaries, So he said. People paid to fight a war. People paid to be a professional minister for people. And, and, but I, the sense I get from Paul's ministry of those in Ephesus is much more of a family than a job. It's what enables a pastor to continue on, and, and Paul continues to describe his ministry in verse 19, where he speaks about serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Three characteristics he brings out about his ministry: humility and tears and trials. Uh, certainly he served in humility, sacrificially giving himself. He, he faced tears. You can see the tears at the end of verse 37. He also had tears of of anguish in dealing with the Corinthian church where he just was at. We read about his trials and the plots of the Jews in Acts chapter 20 and verse 3. So Paul certainly had that. It's very interesting. My sermon 20 years ago, I said very little about humility and tears and trials. Do you know why I said very little about humility, tears, and trials? I wasn't humble. I hadn't shed a tear for the church and I hadn't experienced trials yet for the church. I think these past 20 years I have been humbled. Uh, I mean, I, I thought initially, we're going to do this great thing in Rockford. I'm going to be a great leader, this great preacher. We're going to do the church what, what no church has been able to do. Right? We're going to be big. We're going to impact everything. And we're going to go on. I don't think that anymore. Um, God's been gracious to humble me. And in fact, I think if you want to humble anybody... Just have them be a pastor for a while and and they'll be humbled. When you see just how non-important you are in the eyes of many people, especially when people leave the church. In some regards, though not in every regard, when people leave a church, it's really an accusation against me in some regards that I failed them as a pastor. I'm not meeting their spiritual needs. And time and time and time again, you see that? That will humble you. That will humble you. Before pastoring Rock Valley Bible Church, I shed few tears in my life. I, I've shed tears over Rock Valley Bible Church. remember a couple times in the pulpit, just the difficulties and the trials happening to me, sobbing in the pulpit. I could not even speak. And those of you who have been there, you probably never forget that. In ministry, I've had trials and difficulty that's come my way. People have plotted against me, for sure. People have written letters against me. People have sent emails out to the entire church, respond all to the weekly word. You all can do that, and someone has done that before. Respond to the weekly word and tell how unqualified I was, and I need to repent because I'm such a liar. That's basically the message that went out. People have sought my resignation. They have told me I'm unqualified to be a pastor. Um... I found pastoring really very difficult. It's only by the grace of God I'm standing here 20 years later after that sermon that I preached. It's by God's grace. So I've been humbled. I've, I've experienced tears and trials. Well, Paul's ministry, though, was not just merely one of service. It was also one of speaking. If you look at verse 20, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Uh, this describes Paul's teaching ministry. It was in public. Uh, we, we read that in Acts chapter 19 when, when Paul established a church in Ephesus. He began in the synagogue for three months, chapter 19, verse 8. And then when they were fed up with him and he was booted out from there, he went to the Hall of Tyrannus for two years, in Acts 19 and verse 10. Publicly, his ministry was there, but also in private. He says he was in the homes of those in Ephesus. And regarding his teaching, he said this I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. And after 20 years of ministry, I know what it is to shrink back. I know what it is to not say what needs to be said. I know what it means to skirt the issue. I know what it means to not confront people in their sin. Because I know how it is to take the easy path. There have been times when I've done that. When I've not said the hard things. I'm not living... Perfectly here, uh, according to the Apostle Paul, I mean, the, the song Lord of Mercy we sang today, right? For for what we have done and left undone, we fall on your countless mercies. For sins that are known and these that are unknown, we call on your name so holy. And, and I, I'm not standing before you to say that everything that Paul said in Acts 20, I am and have done. I, I've done plenty of, of shrinking back. Um, But there are times when I have said the hard things and I have not shrunk back. Though admittedly, I know that sometimes I've had to make a hard phone call and the phone is sitting right there and my heart is pounding and it has been um, minutes and hours that have passed before I had the courage to pick up the phone to make that phone call. That's happened often in my, my ministry. Many times when I have said the hard things. It basically means that people have left the church. I mean, that's how it is in our day and age when you have a church down the street. right? pastor going to say these sorts of things. They don't like to hear that, so they're going to they're go. Um, it's a culture in which we live. And, and, and it's one thing to say things in public. It's another thing to say it in private to somebody face-to-face. It's hard. And only you can judge. If I've said difficult things, told you difficult things... To help everything that is profitable he he, he puts his mind here right I, i'm not going to shrink back from telling you anything that's profitable that, that's just not the, the negative but also it's on on the positive side as well as he said his message there is, is verse 21 the summary of his message testifying both to jews and to greeks of repentance toward god and of faith in our lord jesus christ like this is his message there's nothing that was unprofitable about what he was saying he says you boil it all down this is what i'm saying repentance toward god and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the message of the Bible, and I can say this is what I have sought to proclaim. Repentance and faith, right? Repentance is is turning from your sin to God. It, It requires hatred of your sin. It requires confession of your sin. It, it requires a, a desire to turn from your sin. It, it, it requires a dependency upon the Lord to turn from your sin. And, and faith, on the other hand, you have repentance toward God. Um, that's kind of more of a one-time act when you're turning from your sin and turning to God. Faith is like the, the onward, the, the ongoing belief. But in our culture, belief is oftentimes too soft a word because it merely conveys an intellectual understanding. But the word faith is really best understood as trust. Right? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Return from your sins. And don't trust in your own righteousness. Right? But, but trust in the righteousness of Him who died on the cross for you. We might die to sin and live to righteousness. It, it means you're not trusting in your own works. It's not trusting in your own displays of, of repentance. It means trusting upon the work of Christ and, and Him alone. As we sang today, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling Like nothing. That's zero. That's nothing. It's our gospel. That is is our message. And that I have sought to proclaim for 20 years at Rock Valley Bible Church. There are people who who leave off the repentance part and make the faith really easy part. That's not what I've preached. I I think I've preached hard. We need to turn from our sin. We need to be different. We need to be holy. Trusting in in the Lord. And, And that's the message of the Bible. From the prophets to John the Baptist to Jesus to the Apostles. It's always the same thing. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. That's what we all must do. Now, before we move to our next point, uh, one thing I want to point out in verse 20 is this this mention here about house to house. Verse 20, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house. It seems as if Paul's teaching here in the homes of those uh, in Ephesus were somewhat systematic. Uh, He went house to house to house. Back in those days, you couldn't call people. You couldn't put out a mass email. You had to see them. You had to go house to house. And in my message 20 years ago, I didn't mention anything about going house to house. Uh, We as elders, though, have been really thinking about this in in recent days. Particularly, we've been thinking about this in terms of church membership. I think most all of you are aware we've transitioned from an informal membership to a formal membership at Rock Valley Bible Church. And the process really is an opportunity for us to define relationships at Rock Valley Bible Church. It's an opportunity for you all to formally say, yes, Rock Valley Bible Church is a church where I'm serving. I am here. I'm standing on the dotted line. This is where I'm, I'm expressing this commitment to the church. And it's an opportunity for us as an elders, right, to see then who it is who says, yes, I want to be shepherded. I want to be cared for. This is where I am as as a church. and And the commitments of of people, of, of you all, is Acts 2.42. They were continually devoting themselves to... And I'm just reading from this piece of paper. There's one in the back. Um, there's a bunch in the back. Continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. You all have basically said, you've become members, formal members. I'm committing myself to the teaching of the church, to eating with the church, to being, fellowshipping with the church, to sharing with the church, and to praying with the church. And... Um, there's an opportunity also for the elders to like, formally define our relationship, what it means to be part of Rock Valley Bible Church. We, the undersigned elders of Rock Valley Bible Church, make the following commitments. We will care for you as one purchased by the blood of Jesus. Acts 20, 28. We will shepherd you willingly, sacrificially, lovingly, and with humility. We will remember that we will give an account to the Lord for how we have shepherded you. Hebrews 13, verse 17. And... Um, Certainly there's a lot that happens in terms of shepherding on Sunday mornings. As it comes to small groups, they're shepherding their daily interactions on the phone, email, just communications as well. But we as elders have thought more intentionally about house to house. And uh, just in light of membership, we've just kind of said, okay, so because we would have asked, right, what's going to change if you're members? Well, you know, here's what's going to change. We want as elders to have an elder in every home every year. And so we've not done that yet, As we've been working through, kind of waiting until I preach Acts 20, where the perfect opportunity to, to bring this is. Um, but what we want to do is, is visit every formal member in our church. Um, and we just want to provide a forum where one-on-one, a small group, we can just see how things are going with you in your life, how things are going in your spiritual life, um, how, how things are going with you in relationship to the church, concerns, praises, and know how to pray for you and pray with you. So if you're a formal member of the church, expect a call sometime soon from one of the elders as we think this fall of visiting every church. Um, and no, this isn't a time of browbeating, right? We're, we're not coming just to, to, to bang you or I confront you in your sin, right? Or to uh, say, oh, you're not living, or you need to come to church more. You need to do this for church. It's not it at all. It's more relational. It's more touching base, checking in making sure that just we, in a way, house to house, will, will be there. And so we're going to divvy up people. You'll get a call. We'll just visit. Mostly it'll just be a pleasant time, but it'll help put us formally in, a, in every single one of your churches uh, this fall. So you can expect a, a phone call. It's really coming from Paul's words about being house to house, coming from thinking about what it means to be a member, a formal member of the church. All right, well, let's continue on. We've seen Paul's ministry, and next we look at Paul's destiny Again, this is the same outline that I used 20 years ago. It comes from 22 through 24. And uh, Paul speaks just about his future. He says, And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And from working our way through Paul's missionary journey, we know that his plan was to get to Jerusalem, Acts chapter 19, verse 21. Now, after these events, that was the riot, that Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem. After I'd been there, he says, "I must also go to Rome." And so he's been to these places, right? He was he was in Ephesus. He went to Macedonia, went to Achaia, and next he wants to go to Jerusalem. And, and indeed, right, he will get to Jerusalem, and we will see that beginning in chapter twenty. In fact, the next chapter in Acts chapter twenty-one, he's going to get to Jerusalem. And and, and going there, Paul knew some things, but he didn't know some other things. Um, he said in, in verse um, whatever twenty-four twenty-two, he says. Not knowing, I'm not sure what's going to happen to me there, but he said then, uh, on the other hand, he says that the Holy Spirit's telling me, testifying to me, that imprisonment is ahead and afflictions are ahead. So he's not for sure exactly what's going to happen, but he's going to jail and difficulties are going to come. We don't know exactly what that is, but that indeed came to pass, yet he was still willing to go. He still felt compelled to go, even against great warnings. Turn over to chapter 21. We're going to see this warning when we get to this chapter. It's the warning of Agabus. When, when they were staying, it says in verse 10, While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt. It's like taking his belt, right, off his, off his um, waist, and, and he took it, and he bound his own hands and feet. And said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns his belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Right? Paul is getting more clarity on what's going what's to happen. He knows he's going to be bound. He's going to be delivered into the hand of the Gentiles. <coughs> and then he continues on. Paul did. It broke his heart. When we heard this and the, the people urged him not to go to Jerusalem, Paul said, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. He says, I am... Ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. And we'll look at that in future in weeks to come. But Paul's speech to the Ephesian elders was really the same sentiment. I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem and I know that imprisonment and afflictions await me, but I'm going. Because I've signed up for hardship, is what he said. Verse 24. I do not account my life of any value. This this Paul is a minister, right? He considers himself a servant. He's considering himself as scum of the earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. He he says, If only I may finish the course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Really, this is the call of, of every elder call of every pastor, everyone who's given to ministry, is, is to give up and to sacrifice and to devote. Now, honestly, I, I can't say in my own integrity that I don't value my life at all. Um, whether I'm willing to die, I don't know. It's one of those things we all, we all will face. But this, this is a call of everyone who serves in, in ministry It's put no value on your life. Heart to serve the Lord, whatever He calls, whatever He deems you to do. That's the heart. I want to play one last audio clip for you. And it has to do with just even some uh, sacrifices that I made in becoming a pastor. Because there were some sacrifices that that I made. And here's how I put it 20 years ago. I said this.
1: Listen, if my life is to be governed by self-comfort and self-preservation and self-promotion you know what? i would not be living here in rockford today i think about kishwaukee community hospital where i left things were comfortable i was earning there far more than i ever needed financially i was working a job i thoroughly enjoyed of any company in town we were one of the most stable companies i mean a hospital doesn't very often go out of business especially when it's the only hospital in town In terms of my seniority, I was very senior in my job. My job was very secure. My boss liked me. People liked me. The work I did. I lived in my hometown with lots of friends and lots of family. It was a comfortable life. It really was. But my life isn't about comfort. My life isn't about enduring myself. If I wanted to do that, I'd still be in DeKalb. It's not. But God has placed a burden on my heart to know Him. And to make Him known, and as Paul said, to accomplish the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus. That is my heart to you. And today, the plan for my life is pastoring Rock Valley Bible Church. And I'm thrilled to be here. And I believe God has exciting things for us in stores. We watch Him build His church. It's been really the thrill of my life to see Kishwaukee Bible Church go from our house and 14 people one Sunday morning, Saturday night, to what it is today. And I long to see Rock Valley Bible Church do the same things. Easy things? No. Thrilling things? Yes. there's nothing I'd rather do than to be here with you all.
0: I sort of expressed my attitude 20 years ago uh, when I I left. I I did leave my job at Kishwaukee Hospital with tears because I love my job. Um, and I did know what I was getting myself into. Um, Maybe not everything, but I I do understand that computers are a lot easier with people because I've not found the on-off button for people yet, that when you turn them off and they turn them back on again, they come up all, all good. It's been far more difficult to pastor than it ever was in the corporate world. And I guess you can be the judge of how I have sacrificed in some regards, right? The, the great missionaries who are overseas and they, they make great sacrifices, right? They come back and they say, wow, what a great sacrifice you made. Sacrifice? Are you kidding me? That was not a sacrifice at all. And so in some regards, my needs have all been provided. I've not sacrificed greatly. And yet I, I have sacrificed comfort. I have sacrificed a lot of personal tensions that just weren't there before. Um, but, but you can be the judge of how I've given myself to the ministry to accomplish this. And um, and with Paul, listen, I, I feel like this ministry is really what the Lord has given to me. I, I, I firmly believe, apart from planting a church, I do not think I would be a pastor. Because um, I, I, I finished seminary and got in the working world and was serving in a church for sure. Um, but to take that extra step and to begin to apply to a place and and a candidate at a place and basically say, I want to be your mercenary. Um, I, just, I just don't know if I would have done that. Certainly circumstances would have had. But, but I saw sovereign circumstances falling into place, leading me here to be in Rockford. And I remember in the early years, it was, right, if the church doesn't work, like most church plants don't work, like whatever, 75% of church plants don't work. If it didn't work, not a problem. I just go back to IT work. I was ready to do that, willing, but, but I said I'd forever regret If I just stayed in IT and I didn't come and try to be a pastor and seek to see how that goes, I'd forever get, like, 20 years from now, if I'd have been in the IT world, I would be asking myself, well, what what if I would have tried? What what if I'd have gone to Rockford? So based upon faith, I took away the the comfortable life and came up here 20 years ago. And it has been a thrill of my life to see our our Bible study that we we had in those Thursday nights um, 24 years ago. Uh up to be a, a solid church that's healthy, that's thriving. And for 20 years, I do believe that I have fulfilled what Paul wanted to fulfill, is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. It's interesting, isn't it, how, how Paul describes the gospel? In, in verse 21, he described it as repentance from God and a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is absolutely true. And then here at this point, he describes the gospel as testifying the gospel of the grace of God. And really when it comes down to it, this is the gospel. It's God's grace entirely to us. And I think I have spent these last 20 years testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Our church motto, which I've led us in and which we've all embraced, is that we as a church exist to enjoy His grace and to extend His glory. Enjoying His grace, enjoying the gospel, enjoying the benefits that come to us in God. See, it's God's grace that Ephesians 1 chooses us from the foundation of the world. We all were going our way. We were blind and dead in our sin, but God's grace is what grabbed us and took us out of that, changed us, transformed us, regenerated us, made us alive together with Christ, gave us faith, gave us repentance. And it's God's grace that we will walk with Him forever. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 just speaks about why God saves us. He saves us for His grace so that our presence in heaven is forever announcing the grace of God, that it's nothing to do with us. Verse 7, Ephesians 2, so that in the coming ages, God might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's been my message, it's been grace. Not, not preached, whatever, high-pressure legalism. It's been grace. It's been come, come and be happy and be helped here. Because God is a gracious God, and we turn to Him and trust Him. God receives us not because we are worthy. He receives us because He's gracious and because of His grace. And in that, listen, we all, we all have reason to rejoice. And it's God's grace that has kept me for 20 years, for sure, at Rock Valley Bible Church. And it's just the Lord knows how long else that will be in the future. I, I did not have a vision that day of being here 20 years later. And it may be 20 years when I'm, I'm here again preaching Rather than a two-part message, I think it would be a four-part message that day with all my, my four points. But here we just have two, and we will look at two next week. So let, let's pray. Father, I, I pray for this council as I have embraced this for 20 years, just knowing what it means to be a, an elder and a pastor. That's the same, same thing, a, a pastor who shepherds people. This has been on my mind, God, for 20 years. And I see my failures and I see the way in which you have taught and developed. And I just think of the other elders here, Darren and Ryan and Brian, and I pray that this message today might, might stir them even afresh out of the high cost of what it means to shepherd your people and to guide them and to help them and to serve them. Father, I do pray for just a future Rock Valley Bible Church that you would, as we'll look at next week, just protect us from fierce wolves wolves have come and i have fought them off i pray that you would continue to to keep that with us so we not might not be the the church in revelation who left its first love god but that our love would always be focused upon you and your mercy and your grace your kindness toward us in christ sustain us oh god help us grow us strengthen us depth and breadth God, in all things, that you would be exalted, that you would be glorified, and you would be honored. We pray in Christ's name, amen.